Okay, ladies and gentlemen, come and take a seat. As you do, I feel we need to know more of the story of the birth of little Bailey. Now, uh, yes, she came this week, and yes, she was quick. Maddie just simply hopped in the shower to wash her hair and came out with a baby. So the baby was born in the shower. So, Jane, no more showers for you. <laughs> but on top of that, they thought, okay, well, this, this went okay. And they went to Wildflower for a coffee. <laughs> so... One, one afternoon, there she is pregnant. Next morning, she's at Wildflower with these guys having a coffee with the baby. So give them a clap. Well done, truly. But uh, ladies, just long showers oh, could, be, uh, could be nasty. We're continuing this morning with uh, the theme of keep fighting, fighting the uh, fight of faith. And we're in a battle, as Samuel said a few weeks ago, that faith is the foundation of our relationship with God. So why would the enemy not want to attack it? And as we've been talking through this theme over the last few weeks, we can't help but look at some examples from armies and from the military and so forth. And it's good to do that, and I'm doing that again today. But keep in mind why they can paint a picture for us the truth of the matter is in the Word of God. So I will tell you an a army kind of a story and springboard off that, but it's the Word of God that is the truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of uh, your Word that you give us. That's the sword of the Spirit. And as we fight the battles of faith in our life, Father, we pray that we'll always have that in our hand. This morning, as we explore your Word... May our minds and hearts be open to what you want to say to us. Amen. We'll put that uh, map up. Thanks, Cameron. So between July and November in 1942, there was a series of battles between Australian and Japanese soldiers along what is now known as the Kokoda Track in Papua New Guinea. At the time, the Japanese were a threat in the Pacific. They landed on the northern side of New Guinea, near the towns or the villages of Gona and Buna. And the fear was that they would march along the track through Kokoda towards Port Moresby and that they would overtake Port Moresby and then use that as a base to attack Australia. So the Australian soldiers landed in Port Moresby and from the southern end of the track, they, uh, they went along there and they first encountered the Japanese and the first battles were around the village of Kokoda. Now the Japanese were strong, determined, well-resourced and the Australian troops found themselves forced into what's called a fighting retreat. So they were pushed back along the Kokoda track towards Port Moresby, stopping and having battles on the way. And they finally got to a place called Imata Ridge, and from Imeter Ridge, you can look and see the lights of Port Moresby at night. That's how close they were. And for the Australians, that was do or die. They dug in and they fought. Now, the advantage the Australians had at that time and at that place was their supply line was only fairly short between Port Moresby and Imeter Ridge. 
and they could get the necessary resources, weapons, ammunition that they needed. Where for the Japanese, their supply line had been stretched right from the northern part there on the map through to Imata Ridge and they found their supplies weren't getting through. So the Australians dug in and the battle turned in our favour and ultimately they managed to push the Japanese back to Kokoda and back to the northern part of New Guinea. There's a poignant memorial near the village of Isarava. That village overlooks, that memorial overlooks the valley in which the village of Kokoda lies. And you'll see there at the centre of the memorial, there's four pillars of polished granite. And on each one of those pillars is a single word that describes a quality of the soldiers, sorry, a quality that the soldiers displayed during the battle. And my message today uses these words as a focal point. But rather than considering those words on the pillars, and we'll have a look at those shortly, rather than considering those as qualities of the soldiers, I want to look at them from a different perspective, that they are privileges that God gives us to equip us for our battle of faith. You see, as well as an army providing equipment for the soldiers on the front line, weapons and protective gear and so forth, most armies now provide something that cares and supports the soldiers beyond the battlefield, more than just the weapons. Some privilege that care for them. Did you know, for example, if you were in the Australian Army, you'd have these benefits. Attractive pay plus allowances. Generous superannuation. Free dental and medical care. Subsidised accommodation. Free sports and fitness facilities. They're some of the privilege or the benefits that you get if you are part of the Australian Army. I don't know whether you've ever travelled through the United States, but they are incredibly honouring of their servicemen and women. The domestic flights in the United States are absolutely ridiculous. You can book a ticket months in advance, turn up at the appointed time, and still not get on your plane because they oversubscribe each flight so that if people don't turn up, the flights are still full. And when you're lining up, they'll give you priorities, priority A or B or C, and even if you have a ticket, you might find yourself in priority D. But when they start the boarding process, they'll always say, if there are any service men or women here, would you come to priority A, please, and board first, and we thank you for your service. It's a benefit that they have. I went to a baseball game, and prior to the match, there's various announcements and things happening, and the same thing. If there are any servicemen and women here, we honour you, and we thank you for your service. It's a benefit that they have, a right or a privilege. And God gives us rights and privileges as well. Ephesians 6 was mentioned this morning already. The armour of God is there to protect us. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, to attack the enemy. But as children of God, we have privileges that help us to fight the fight of faith. So we'll have a closer look at what's inscribed on the pillars. The first one I have there is mateship. Now Pam talked about mateship last year. Oh, sorry, last year. Maybe she did. Last week. 
you talked about that last week and saying that that is one of the things that God gives us for the battle. And it's a privilege that we have in the fight because God never intended that we would do this on our own. Pam described also how the Roman soldiers used to lock their shields together, join their shields, and they could provide protection beyond what one person could do on their own. She pointed out that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who stand beside us and encourage our faith, especially when we feel that we're under attack. So I won't go over all of Pam's points. It was a great message. It's on podcasts, and here's my little plug for the podcasts. If you miss a service or you want to hear a message again, go to Northeast and find the podcast. They're always there. The next pillar I do want to look at in a bit more detail is a pillar that has the word courage. Now, on the Kokoda Trek, the soldiers had to dig deep to find courage in the face of overwhelming odds. We have privileges that God gives us to build our courage. We don't have to find that within ourselves. We can rely on it from the Lord. The soldiers also had to face uh, personal fears and self-doubts. Many of them were recent recruits and were only, on average, 18 and a half years old. They had not been fully trained or tested in battle. The real soldiers were off in the battlefields of Europe and North Africa. And so these young soldiers on the Kokoda track had never had the chance to prove themselves. And they were given an unkind nickname by other more experienced soldiers. They were called the chocolate soldiers, or the chocos, implying that they, would, they were soft and that they would melt in the heat of battle. How easy would it be for those young soldiers to doubt themselves and wonder if they were up to the task before them? One of the most powerful weapons that the enemy has to weaken our faith and take us out of the battle is that of personal fear and self-doubt. I'm no good. How could God use me? How could he even love me? Especially when I've done the things that I've done. I've got nothing to offer him, and I don't even give him my best. I'm not up to the task before me. But because of Jesus... We don't have to give in to this. We can have confidence and courage. We read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. What an amazing invitation to come boldly to the throne of God. And I was thinking about that verse when we were singing the song this morning, Agnes Deo. Um, holy holy and I thought there's the holiness of God the purity of God and here's us as sinful people shower time obviously she's off for a shower I think (laughs) I bet you that little baby grows up always loving a nice long hot shower don't you reckon (laughs) Bailey get out of the shower you've been in there an hour I just feel so at home Okay, back to business again. So imagine what it means that we can boldly come before the throne of God. And let's just pause for a minute and think, well, who is God? 
God who called the universe into being. God who breathed life into his creation. God who can part the Red Seas. God who knows the number of stars in the skies. God who can raise Jesus from the dead. So this all-powerful, mighty God who's beyond our understanding allows us to come before him. And we can come boldly to him. We don't have to be hanging our heads in shame. Not because of anything we do, but because of who Jesus is and what he did. And it's there that the writer of Hebrews says that we will find grace and help when we need it most. Can you imagine if our new king, Charles III, was to issue you with a personal invitation to come into his throne room at any time, day or night, no need to make an appointment or even knock on the door. He'd be in there waiting for you and receive you with kindness, ready to give you whatever help you needed at that time. What a privilege that would be. And wouldn't that give you courage to tackle the hard things in life? Newsflash, that's not going to (laughs) happen. But there is something even better. We have the privilege to confidently come before God. We can be assured of his mercy, of his grace, as his help for what we need. And we can take from that the courage to fight the battle of faith. We can say to the enemy, don't you know whose side I'm on? Don't you know I've been in the throne room with God. I've been spending time with him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That invitation to come to before the Lord gives us courage. But there's something else that gives us courage as well. And that's that we have the privilege of being heirs of the Father. And Pam mentioned that during her communion message this morning. This is the verse that Pam read from this morning. Can we have that up, Cameron? So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Abba is like daddy. It's a uh, familiar, colloquial kind of a term. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. It was wonderful to hear Pam's words, what that means for us and the hope that that gives us as we head towards Christmas. Keep in mind that Paul was writing those words to the believers in Rome. And at the time, succession and family legacy were very important to the Romans who needed ways of passing down their fortune and their name when unable to produce a male heir. So adoption was one of the few ways to guarantee succession. And it became the norm to adopt young males into the, throne, the homes of high-ranking families. So one famous example of this is Gaius Octavius, who was the great-nephew of Julius Caesar. And after the assassination of Caesar in 44 BC, Octavius was named as Caesar, in Caesar's will as his adopted son and heir. So what a privileged position for Octavius. As a result, 
Octavius became known as Caesar Augustus. He inherited Caesar's name, his estate, all that he owned, and even the loyalty of his legions of soldiers. Caesar Augustus is considered to be one of the greatest leaders in human history, facing and winning many battles. But none of that would have been possible without being named as Caesar's heir. And as an heir of the father of the universe, our creator, who invites you to come before him, you can have courage to face any battle of faith. The next pillar in that memorial has the word endurance. It's kind of what the worship band had to do with the sound system, wasn't it? Now, the battles along the Kokoda track were tough. It's tough terrain. When I had the privilege of walking that some years ago, in eight days, we were walking either uphill, sometimes uphill for a day, or downhill. And at times, the ridge between the up and the down was only about five metres wide. And in the whole eight days, there was only one hour of flat walking in a row. The rest was either up or down. It's hard work. It's hard work. And it was hard to get supplies of food, weapons and other necessary provisions. And the soldiers had to endure incredible rainfall. And perhaps you've seen pictures of them traipsing through the mud, trying to drag their weapons and ammunition and supplies along with them. And if it wasn't raining, it was humid. You'd be wet just from your sweat. And of course, all the while, someone was trying to kill them. Jungle warfare, they couldn't see the enemy. They didn't know when an attack would be or where it would come from. There was much they had to endure. And there's no... Um, I can understand totally why the word endurance is, uh, is there. So when I was preparing this and considering, well, who's a good Bible character that would be an example of endurance? I thought of a few. There's Abraham, packed up all that he had, journeyed towards an unknown land, and he had threats from, from uh, thieves and, uh, and other people on the way, all the while wondering how God could possibly use him to create a nation. And then I thought of Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers and sold into slavery and treated unkindly and ending up in prison. I thought of Moses, who led the people of Israel out of slavery, people who were questioning and complaining and at times were even unfaithful and rebellious towards God. He would have had to endure a lot. I've been reading through the Old Testament prophets who spoke God's message to people, unbelieving and unfaithful people who often would try and kill the prophets. Or skipping to the New Testament, we've had a few um, examples from the life of Paul over the last few weeks. Um, what he had to endure, beatings and being whipped and being shipwrecked uh, and imprisoned and all the while with the burden of looking after the baby churches. Or coming to Christmas, I began to think of Mary and thought, well, she had a bit to endure as well. Being a teenage mum, being unmarried, and having to endure the cultural and the social difficulties of that. So I realised we're not short of examples of people in the Bible who had to endure because of their faith. And then I thought, well, they all did. They all did. And I tried to think of 
one person in the Bible who had an easy, trouble-free, relaxed, simple life. And I couldn't think of anyone. So I thought, perhaps there's some kind of mathematical equation here. You plus faith equals the need to endure. You plus faith equal the need to endure. There is no getting out of it. If we're people of faith, serving God, living for him, we're going to have to endure things. But the question then is, well, why is endurance a privilege? I'm focusing this morning on privileges that God give us. How can that be a privilege? We turn to the Bible for the answer. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. I love that phrase, undeserved privileges. These are privileges that God has for us, but we don't deserve them. But they're ours anyway. Anyway, Where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us to develop endurance. And here's the benefit of that. Endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with this love. So the provision of endurance is a little bit like a gym pass, a free gym pass. And when we go to the gym, the outcome after enduring the exercises and the workout is a stronger and more healthy body and improved well-being. And in this passage, Paul points out that the outcome of endurance is a stronger character and more confident hope of salvation. So perhaps the equation shouldn't be you plus faith equals need to endure, but you plus faith equal get to endure. You get to do these things. You get to have a stronger character. You get to have increased hope in your salvation. It's a privilege to have to endure things. I get to do this. It's a real privilege. And further in James chapter 1, we read, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. You get to let it grow. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So when you think about endurance in that way, we realise that it becomes an opportunity. It's an advantage, even an honour, rather than just a burden or a load that we have to bear. And thinking of it like that gives us a different attitude towards the battles that we face in our faith. As I work through this challenge and stick with it, my faith will grow. My character will grow. My hope in salvation will grow. It really is a privilege. And the fourth pillar has the word sacrifice. Sacrifice. Mateship, courage, 
endurance sacrifice. And this might not be a word that we like. And if at first glance the word endurance seems strange to be a privilege, well, it must seem totally implausible that sacrifice is. But that's exactly what it is. Sacrifice is a privilege from God. In the dictionary, it says that a sacrifice is a loss or something you give up, usually for the sake of a better cause. For example, parents sacrifice time and sleep to take care of their children. You might sacrifice a holiday and give the money to someone who is in real need. Someone might make a sacrifice for a relationship. People might sacrifice their own ambitions for the sake of their family. When I prepared for, uh, for this message today, I sacrificed my early morning bike ride. I really do enjoy that. But it was a privilege to be able to work towards this for today. The world's best at any given sport have to sacrifice so many things in their personal life in order to achieve that level. In fact, one of the greatest soccer players of all time, Pelé, says nothing great was ever accomplished without making sacrifices. And a man named Sidney Howard, who wrote the screenplay for the movie Gone with the Wind, says sacrifice is part of life. It's supposed to be. It's not something to regret. It's something to aspire to. Aren't they interesting words? It's supposed to be part of life. It's not something to regret. It's something to aspire to. And of course, the soldiers on the Kokoda track made the ultimate sacrifice so that we could live in a free country. And Paul is quoted in the book of Acts saying, I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard, by sacrificing. But you should remember the words of our Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Is it not a privilege to make a positive difference to someone, to be in a position where you can do that for the sake of something better? And you can sacrifice something important to do that. Is it not a privilege? And I think your answer to that depends on your perspective. You can view a sacrifice of time, of effort, of energy, of resources, of money, or even dreams as a loss. And that turns our focus on ourselves rather on the greater purpose that God has for our lives. Remember that Jesus said, whoever loses his, uh, loves his life will lose it. The time, effort, energy, resources, money, dreams. Actually, there's only one sacrifice we have to make. Only one. We're called to sacrifice our life to the Lord. Total surrender to God and his will. And it's that total surrender to God, that sacrifice, that privilege of sacrificing, not self-pity, that will win the fight of faith. And of course, the ultimate example of sacrifice is Jesus, who gave up something important, his life, for the sake of something better, your life.
our relationship with God and the right to be with him for eternity. Earlier I read from the verse in Romans 8 that tells us where God's heirs, but there's a little bit more to the verse. I just gave you the good news. It says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together we are with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And here's the bit that I'd left out. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering, his sacrifice. The sharing God's glory and suffering go hand in hand. It's not that sharing in God's glory is the privilege and the suffering is not. Both are privileges. And they lead to something very, very good. For the next verse in that passage tells us that what we suffer is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal later. I'll get the band to come up. If they're game, I'm sure it'll all work for you. And I wonder, um, can we finish with the song Holy Holy, the one that we had before? Um, that'd be great. I hadn't lined that up with you before. See, God fully equips us for the fight of faith. We have the armour of God. We have the sword of the Spirit. We have the privileges that come with belonging to God. Just like there are privileges for being in the Australian Army. Mateship, courage. Can we get that last slide up, Cameron? Endurance and sacrifice. Now, they were all evident on the battles of the Kokoda Track, and I don't want to take anything away from those people, incredible soldiers. But all of those are privileges that God gives us so that we can fight the battle of faith. But the thing is, we don't have to win them or earn them or prove them. They're ours, though we don't earn them and we don't deserve them. Courage that comes from our right to stand before the Lord. Courage that comes from being an heir of the Father. Endurance that helps us to grow and strengthen. And sacrifice that means we're giving what we have for God's greater purpose. We've been blessed with all of those things and we can be a blessing to others with them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you equip us. We thank you for the privileges we have of being part of your army in the spiritual battle. Father, I pray that we will have a different perspective on things that happen in our lives. A perspective that they're privileges, they're honours, they're special things that can equip us for the battle. Father, for those who feel like at the moment they are on the front line, would you send mates around them to join their shields of faith and to strengthen them? Father, for those who are feeling weak and unworthy, would you touch them and let them know that they are worthy because they are your children?
Father, I pray that we will never take a step back, but we'll always move forward in growing in our faith for you, in our love for you, in our service for you. Father, we thank you that you are a holy God. And even though we are sinful people, through Jesus we can still come into your presence. We thank you. Amen.